Hi, welcome to the There's More podcast. I'm Karen. And I'm Rachel. And we're here just to help women dream bigger, pray bolder, and live empowered lives. Y'all, today, this might be one of my favorite conversations you say ever. That every time. I know I say that every time, but I can't help it. <laughs> but because I she's mean right. It. But Jamie Winship, he's of the Identity Exchange, this is ministry, and Crazy story. If you have a teacher in your life, I'm telling you, every teacher in America needs to hear this message. Yep. Jamie is. Or if you're a parent. A parent. I mean, just anybody, uh, grandparents, but he is really helping people to see that no matter if they know God or not, they are actually hearing God because we were created in His image. Yeah. And Jamie is just an identity like ninja. Yeah, he I, really I've is. I've never seen anything like it. So and, we, and besides the fact, CIA agent, cool stories. Oh, so I mean, you're please, gonna, it's so, it's so mind-blowing. You're not even going to believe it. So welcome to the There's More podcast. Well, welcome to the There's More podcast. Jamie Winship, we are so honored to have you today. This is, I mean, I've never looked so forward to an interview. I'm, I'm like, this guy is so fascinating. Yeah, Y'all really. are going to be blown away when you hear mm-hmm. his story. Um, but Jamie is, um, you know, he has spent decades of his life hearing from the Lord and learning about identity and just releasing. I love it in your bio. It says peaceful solutions on the earth, Jamie. I mean, he's the creator right. yeah, yeah, of the identity exchange. He's been in law enforcement. I mean, You've kind of lived and CIA. I mean, let's yeah, not I mean, leave that. I mean, how many people get to interview a CIA agent? <laughs> let's just add that. I know it's so fun. But Jamie, will you just tell us a little bit of your story and how um, just God's love and like knowing? I, I mean, really, words of knowledge. I mean, that is just that's kind of how it all began. But I want to hear how that began. Like, when was the first time that happened? So you start. Yeah, well, it's, that's it's really interesting because um, you know we work a lot in education these days, but um, and we really zero in actually currently on middle school aged kids. So um, in my own life, when I was in eighth grade, was the first time I really had a kind of experience with um, God. The interesting thing was at the time I didn't know it was God. Oh like, yeah. I, it was a very distinct experience, very external to myself, um, the influence, and I f- could feel it very deeply internally, but I didn't. I actually was independent Baptist, and so we weren't allowed to go to movies or listen to rock music or any of that kind of thing. And so um, when I was in eighth grade, I decided to go see what was bad about a movie theater and why it was forbidden, you know. <laughs> So, um, that's awesome. I just, you rebel. I mean, tell them not to go. Boy, that's the <laughs> first thing you're going to want to do. Did you get do. an earring while you were out too? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And so, um, and so I, I went to the, just the movie theater that was closest, you know, walking distance from our house in Washington, DC area. And just, I just went into the movie. I didn't even know what it was. I didn't care. I just wondered why you're not allowed to go yeah. to these places. Wow. And so I went to the movie and the movie um, happened to be the, mo- the, the movie Serpico, which is the real life story of a New York City police officer oh, named Frank Murphy. Yes. Wow. Totally. By Al Pacino. And so the movie begins and, uh, and it's the story of this New York City police officer who becomes a police officer because it's what it, it's the, in the line of his family. And he gets on in the police department and he realizes the whole place is corrupt. Yeah. And so he decides to not participate in the corruption. It's his life story. Anyway, so for some reason, the movie was so powerful to me that um, at a really deep, deep level. Wow. And so as a literary device, we would say it was naming me. Wow. Like good music names you, it calls you out. Wow. And it can cut through really all of your defenses and your self-protection just slices right through it because it's deeper than those things. And, and so I knew something was happening inside myself and it was making me cry yeah. in the movie. And so at the end of the movie, I did what a good independent Baptist would do because <laughs> I knew it was something huge. I went forward at the movie theater. Stop it. Stop it. I know, because that's what independent Baptists uh-uh. do for God. <laughs> oh, this is just making me. Wait, you like walked the aisle? Yeah. 
was just as I am playing on an organ somewhere in your head. No, that's why I, I couldn't understand what was happening because that wasn't playing. Wow, so I, I, that is precious. Okay. So innocent. I mean, so hold on. So what my happened? culture, my culture as a middle as by fourteen was. For anything to really be significant of eternal value, you have to go forward. Wow. In the pew, so to speak. Wow. And so I, w- I walked forward at the movie theater and I went up on the little stage back in the day. Wow. And I just stood up there crying. Wow. And I said, but I was I was sure it wasn't God because he wouldn't be in a movie theater. Like oh. he couldn't go in a movie theater. So yeah, I didn't know what it was. Fascinating. But it was deep and moving, and I knew it was inviting me into a life, yes, a life identity. And so I just went up there crying, and I just I looked up. It was funny because I could see the guy in the projection booth up there, mm-hmm. and he was just staring at me like, "Wow, <laughs> what's this guy? I never had this happen at a movie before." <laughs> An altar call, but and I just said yes. Yeah. I just said, whatever that, whatever that is in that movie, you know, of course, now I know it was a metaphor because that's the way we can really respond. Anything is in symbol and metaphor. But so for me, it was being a police officer was what what I was being invited into. And so at 14, I said yes to that. Mm. And I, um, I'm 62 now. I've never wavered from that decision. It was one of the deepest commitments I've ever made in my life. And it wasn't until later that I realized that that was in fact God. Yeah. And and when I realized that, I was mm-hmm. like, I will never leave this one. And, wow. and so what, what was that one? Like, what was the one thing that you walked away with? That you... That I, with an I am statement, with okay. an identity and, I am. And all I had, the reference point was, I am a police officer. Okay. That was it. So... So all I could name at the moment was the vocation, but what I was looking at was this human being who was pursuing the truth of who they were in spite of everything around them being corrupt. Yes. That's what I was watching happening, but I I couldn't articulate any of that. Mm -hmm. I just knew it was right. And I wanted to be that. I didn't. So the only way I knew to be, which is the word I was looking for to be, I didn't want to do it, but I wanted to be that. And the only Mm -hmm. way I thought it was to to follow in the footsteps of Frank Serpico, yeah, <laughs> you know? Yeah. And it was really powerful because the K- Frank Serpico in real life, he loved opera music and all this. Yeah. And so I just made a list, like I'm going to be a police officer and I'm going to learn to love opera music. Oh my gosh. And, and I did. And wow. I did. What? I, I grew to love opera and study Baroque <laughs> music and all this yeah. stuff. But what was really amazing was so you know through ninth grade 10th grade 11th grade all that stuff when you start you know my friends are starting you know to commit crime and get into drugs I wouldn't participate not because I was spiritual but because it would violate the call that was on my life I knew that at 21 I'm going to be on a polygraph test and so what I do at 15, 16, 17 is going to affect what happens to me at 21 and beyond. Mm, wow. So it wasn't a big debate in my mind. It's like, nope, that's going to disqualify me mm-hmm. from this mm-hmm. very real thing that I'm moving towards. Mm. And, and so it just gave me a way to make decisions in the present tense. Mm. Wow. And it was all based on identity. And so it wasn't until I met a believer that understood this stuff that I realized that God had in fact pursued me yes, and met me in that theater. Wow. And to me, that was like, who would not want to be in relationship with this kind of God? Wow. Oh, calling you to be the truth of what, if he said it to you, would make you cry with joy. Wow. Um, and it had nothing to do with, church Christianity, it didn't have anything to do with any of that. It was far deeper than that. Yes. And so, um, yeah. So then when I was 17 and I was, you know, doing everything I could to be ready to pass a police physical and get into the university and study criminal justice and all that. (laughs) And I was in a wrestling tournament, which I didn't care about sports. I just wanted to be in shape all the time. Right. (laughs) So so everything that everything I was doing, I could tell you how it was helping me become who I am. As Kierkegaard said, with God's help, I'm becoming who I am. Wow. That's the journey to become who God knit you in your mother's womb to be. Yeah. 
And so um, the earlier we understand that, the more clear life becomes as you move forward. It's still a mystery, but you have a direction that never changes. Yeah. And so when I, I had a wrestling and I had a severe injury in the wrestling tournament. And so I was like, oh my gosh, I'm not going to be able to pass a police physical with this mm. physical injury. Mm. if it's. So I go into the hospital that night, they do the surgery, wake up the next morning talking to the doctor and and I, all I care is I just said, can I pass a police physical? You know, I'm, I'm 18. I'm, I, got, I, I need to do it when I'm 21. He said, I don't know, but you can't play sports anymore. I'm devastated. I'm bitter. I'm mad. My whole plan ruined. And this physical therapist comes in and she sits next to me. All I know of her to this day is she a, was a 27-year-old single mom from West Virginia who worked her way through high school to get to this position anyway. And she says to me, you know, your body will heal, but what will ruin you is your bitterness. Wow. And, I, and, and she, like, again, you know, over five days, and I never responded to her the whole time she talked to me. I cussed her out. I yelled at her. I mm. never responded to her in any positive way. But she was doing to me what the movie did. Yeah. And I knew it. She was reaching past all my bitterness, all my hostility, yeah. all my anger at God and reaching inside of me. And she was trying to make me well. And I thought and I, I knew that her love was greater than my hostility, which I had never seen before. Right. I'd never seen a person demonstrate love mm. in a way that could absorb anger and basically nullify it. Yeah. Wow. She would come back every day like I had never said a word to her. Wow. Christ. And and. So just having that model of that kind of human, and I realized, although she was a, you know, a, a healthcare professional was her vocation, her identity was healer, that yes. she was, because I met lots of doctors and nurses in there, but nobody was doing what she was doing. Right. She could do her vocation really well, and she did, but she was going, she was bringing a piece of herself and sharing it with me. Um. And I knew it. I knew she was doing it. And I knew this is an example of what a kingdom of God person is like. Wow. Like she's doing what I saw Frank Serpica do in the movie, only she's <laughs> doing it in real life. Yeah. And, and, um, wow. And so I, I just, when I left the hospital, when I finally got released, I just said to God, I, this was really my conversion, my born again experience was with her because mm. now I knew where it was coming from. I knew that right. it was she's attributing this to God. Mm -hmm. Right. And you've grown up in church. You were, you were in it to win it beyond. Yeah. Yeah. Wednesday, all Uh of them. This is not how they talked. And so that was all to me, just this thing that wasn't all that relevant to my life. It was just you know, the more Christian thing. Mm -hmm. It was kind of separate from the rest of everything I was doing. And, um, and I was never good enough for it. So, but, they, but so when I left, I just prayed and I said, God, and I love this prayer. I love, would, can you make me a police officer? Like she's a nurse. That was my mm. prayer. Wow. But oh. I take into my vocation, what this woman has brought into her vocation, yeah. which is herself. Yeah. yeah. So she's not getting her identity from her vocation, which is what most people do. Right. Oh, yeah. You know, and you could have missed that, honestly, Jamie. Oh, yeah. Because you were so dead set. That's what I was, that was like literally my next question was how did you separate police officer from beloved son? Like, how do you teach somebody? How do you, how do you, I mean, I'm, I'm curious, like, how do you teach a middle schooler to separate football player, lacrosse star? You know, volleyball, equestrian, you know, I mean, how do you teach kids to separate their belovedness from what they do? Yeah, well, I mean, the, the, in, in my own experience and then in all the work we've done over all these years with people is like just watching Jesus. He does t- two things with people. He asks them questions that no one else asks them. Mm. And, he, and he doesn't mm. have a formula that he uses on everybody. He's very unique to each person. So yeah. he has unique questions for a unique person. But then he models what it looks like. Yeah. So she was asking me questions that no one else was asking me. Wow. Like she was saying, what will define your future is not your physicality. It's, your, it's the attitude of your heart. No right. one said, no one asked me about that. Right. Everyone would tell me, you're, just, you're so 
simple and that kind of thing. But she was like saying, no, let me just, I'm going to tell you like a physical therapist will tell you why you're not going to move forward. It's not because of your joints and all of that. Yeah. It's because bitterness will trap you in the past. Right, right. She was like trying to undo that, but she was doing it by that modeling to me the love that I could be operating in. Yeah. Wow. So she was challenging my position, but she was modeling the alternative to me. Yeah. So that's what, so with kids, it's asking them. I mean, I do this all the time is asking them questions and letting them think through why they said what they said, mm. which no one does. People just tell them, this is what you need to know and believe. Right, right. Um, and the, or, and the reason you need to know and believe this, and this is the, really the hurtful thing in our culture, it's worldwide, but really in the West is what they're going to learn, what we're teaching them from a very young age is your identity comes from your ability to produce. And that's all. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And if you can't produce anything that the marketplace determines is yeah. valuable. A's on your report card, a 29 on your ACT. Right a product that sells, right? you've got to produce something that not God determines is valuable, the marketplace determines is valuable. And if you can't do that, you don't have any real value. Kids mm -hmm. learn that really young because mm -hmm. it's air that we breathe and it's based on measurement. Right. Right. So they're right. being measured really from the day they're born, they're being told what percentile they're oh in. Oh my right? gosh, totally. Yeah. How much you weigh, how tall you're going to be when you're 14. I mean, it's unbelievable. Yeah. And you parents know, come home and they're upset about my kids only in the what percentile thing. Wow, already. So we just appreciate y'all joining us. And we've been referring a lot. Sometimes in our podcast, you hear about this thing called Father's House. Mm -hmm. And we just know that sometimes when you hear these incredible stories from these incredible guests, you wonder, how did these people learn this? Yeah. How did they have these kind of encounters? And so we want to tell you about a resource that Rachel and I have written that is going to give you that, that more, the yeah. more lifestyle. Absolutely. So you can go to fathershousestudy.com. And we have an eight-week Bible study encounter. It's just going to walk you to the journey that you've heard a lot about in these podcasts. And we want to offer you a 20% discount. And we hope that you will check it out. We think it'll change your life forever. And it'll take you on a journey that leads home. You know, as I'm listening to you, and I'm sure a lot of people did this, about I'm big on on that God speaks through movies and, yeah. and you don't, you know, it's like those movies that call to you that they're really calling to something really deep in your heart. And I always tell the story that, that my first movie I ever remember watching uh, and created a, a desire in me was Cinderella, which, you know, sounds ridiculous as an adult, but it was speaking oh. to a desire in me to be worthy of pursuit. Right. But what's funny is, and I, I didn't even make the connection until you were talking, that the second thing I wanted to be was a CIA agent. And the reason I never, ever did drugs is so that I could pass the polygraph. And as soon oh as you said that, I was like, gosh. that's why I never did drugs. You're kidding Literally me. why I never did drugs. So uh, funny enough, I actually, I was applying, I was filling out all the paperwork and I had a really vivid dream, Jamie. And in the dream, I had to kill somebody. And I knew I couldn't do it. And so I literally woke up from the dream and knew I'm not supposed to be a CIA agent. But what now I'm hearing as you're speaking, it was what was in that longing to be a CIA agent was to to uncover truth, mm -hmm. right. which is what you what, do, which is what I love to do. <laughs> so I, I, I'd love to just that plug for people as they're listening is think about the desires of your heart that what what it was really saying like there was a reason you were drawn to nursing there was a re it's there's something the dna of god in you so what i yeah. want to hear is um because this is just so fascinating oh to me about gosh. wanting to be a police officer it's really about the desire under uh, under right. the title so right. how did you bring the desire of God, yeah. the, the, yeah. the, the so. identity, the I am identity of who you, you became as a person of love? How, tell us about how that flushed itself out in the world of, in a world that's really hard. Yeah. 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 So, so um, yeah. So 
it, that's so true what you're saying is, and we do this with kids all the time. I'll ask them a question. I did it with a group of kids who had been expelled. Uh, right. So, uh, and so they were, had been expelled. So they were in a, in a, a room where that, where I guess the process was, this is public school kids and there were 12 of them. And th- so I went in to meet with them with the principal and the guidance school counselor in the public school. And so it, the principal called me and said, would you just come in and talk to these kids? I just want, and so that, what I did with them is I asked each one of them in the future, what do you want to be, be, And all they told me was what they want to do. Yeah. Yeah. Which is the point I wanted to make with them. So um, see, this is a distinction that helps kids is like, there's a difference between being and doing, but being will always inform the doing. So, um, and it was fascinating. So when they would say what they want to do, I would keep backing up and going, why do you want to do that? Yeah. Until we got to the being. Right. And it, and, and it, it caused huge emotion in the room. Wow. Like oh one girl. Gosh, I, do this at dinner. I, I, I I'm like, I can't wait. <laughs> I'm so excited. I can't wait for dinner tonight. <laughs> well, well, and, and so like one, one of the girl, one of the first girls on my left, she said, <clears throat> I want to be a lawyer. And I said, why? Mm-hmm. And I said, what kind of lawyer? There's a lot of kinds of lawyers. And we got down to prosecuting attorney. And I'm mm-hmm. like, Oh, okay. Who do you want to prosecute men. Mm-hmm. Oh, uh-huh. now the real her is starting to speak. Uh-huh. Right? Uh-huh. So the vocation, I'm just going backward through the vocation into what is the heart behind that? Yeah. All men know men that hurt women. Oh, oh yeah. now I can now I know what's going on at home. Oh yeah, totally. Now I know. And she starts to cry. Mm-hmm. Right? And what happened when she started to cry is other people in the group started to come around her, started to come around her with compassion mm-hmm. because she said, because you know this guy beats my mom and boy, the other kids in that group, they responded to that state of being draws the group together. And so, so for me, it was, it was like, yeah, meeting, I met a wrestling coach when I was in college, he was very similar. And he used to say to us um, that wrestling was not the important thing. What was the important thing was mental discipline and mental discipline came through meditation. Mm, and, he wow. believer, and he taught us how to meditate wow. what? and he was number two in the nation in wrestling. Wow. And so it was like, he's a respectable guy here. Sure. But why is he, and what he was really teaching us was contemplation was really mm-hmm. what, he, what I still do today, what he taught us. And so it's like, okay, this guy's a wrestler, but he is way more than a wrestler. He's far, far more than that. And the reason he's so good at wrestling is because of what, who he is right. on yeah. the inside. And so being, being informed, doing so, I would see these people. And then when I got into the police department, finally, and I read, I wrote about this in my book is so my, my training officer, you know, was one of the best, also one of the best disciples I've ever met, but he wasn't a believer. He was very bitter and he was, but he was a great, he understood humanity really well. And mm. he, he challenged me all the time about the truth of who I was by saying to me at the end of every shift, you're not going to make it. What? He would just look right in my face at the end of a 10 hour shift and go, you're not going to make it. Save the, save us some money, save the city money. Just don't come tomorrow. What? And then I would go into and tell my wife, I'm not going to make it. And, and then she would say, no, no, you are, this is your dream. This is your, and by the next morning I was, I thought I could make it again. And by the end of the next shift, I think I couldn't. And so what he was doing wow. to me was trying to make sure <laughs> that I didn't get my identity or understanding the future from what he said to me. Wow. He was trying to teach me. Don't let another person tell you what you, what the future is. Wow. I insulted, he insulted me all the time. He, and then after a year of that, and I was just coming back and he would say to me, he would say to me, are you going to abide with me again today? That was the word he used. Abide. abide. Are you going to abide with me again today? And this, this is why I wrote about this at the beginning of my book is, you don't learn to abide. People are like, teach me how to abide. Abiding is saying, I'm going to go be with that person again today. That's all it is. Yeah. So when Jesus says, abide with me, he just means, are you going to be with me again today? Or yeah. Not? Yeah. In the abiding that you learn everything. Right. Yeah. Right. It's not learning to abide. That's ridiculous. Right. Just make yeah. the decision. Are you going to go back and walk with this person? Like when Jesus says to Peter, are you going to leave me too? Or are um, you going to stay with me? It's just a decision. Yeah. And like that. And so, so when I got into the police department and I started working on my, 
you know, with the guys, men and women on my squad, I realized these folks are just as wounded and broken as everyone we're dealing with on the street. Mm -hmm. So there's no magic here. (laughs) There's no magic in this job, in this uniform, in which side of the badge you're on. In fact, it's very blurry. Yeah, totally. Um, And so, and no, and none of the, none of the people on my squad were Serpico, (laughs) you know? (laughs) Yeah. Looking for truth. Serpico is a very flawed person himself, but, and so then my question was, okay, I want to be a police officer like she was a nurse and like he was a coach, but I don't know how to do it as a police officer. So my question to God is, God, can you, through your spirit, teach me things that I don't know and I don't know where to go to learn them? Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know who to ask. And so can you communicate to me mm-hmm. in the moment? And how fast can you do it? And how clear can it be? And do you even understand police work? Are you more of a religious mm-hmm. expert? Like that kind of thing. <laughs> like, do you know how to settle a domestic dispute? Do you know how to investigate a felony? Like, do you know how to do that stuff? And do you still communicate at a level where yeah. you could tell me? Yeah. And so yeah. I just I just took a notebook like this and I would just ask God questions yeah. during a shift. And then I would wait to see what would come to my mind, what, you know, what, what I would hear or yeah. think of. And I would just write down ideas. Right. And I, and I realized, oh my gosh, this is the contemplative life. Yeah. Wow. This is what hearing from God is all about. And so I just would start to tr- experiment with them. So hearing the word, the, the, the Hebrew word obey means to hear and respond. Uh-huh. To hear and, respond. and so I would ask him a question and God's, James says, if you're going to ask for wisdom, don't waver. So I would say first to God, okay, I'm going to ask you how to investigate this case in a way that I don't know, because we don't know what to do now. If I knew what to do, I just did it. But if I didn't know, I would say, okay, God, I'm getting ready to ask you for wisdom. Now you said, don't ask for wisdom unless I'm willing to do what you say. Right. Right. So first I'm going to ask you, whatever you say, and I know you're going to say something, would you give me the courage to do it? Wow. I'm pretty sure it's going to be outside my box. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So give me the courage. Okay. Ready? Okay. What would you do? (laughs) What do you want me to do? What would you? And then like everyone in scripture, when the idea would come, I would say that's impossible. Or like, I can't do that. Like everybody in the Bible says back to God when he tells them, like, that's it. I can't, that's impossible. And so then I would say, okay, uh, here's my confession to you. I'm terrified to do this. It's probably going to get me fired. However, I said, Faith is the substance of the things you hope for and the evidence of things not yet seen. So I'm just going to try it and I would do it and it would work. Wow. And then the more I stepped into it, the deeper I stepped into it, the the deeper the Lord went Mm -hmm. until, you know, I was officer of the year and then got made detective and all of that. And then that's why the CIA called me was because of five years of doing that kind of thing. And just being able to show, you know, I always tell young people, like, let the fruit speak for itself. Yeah. Don't go in there and pitch abstract ideas about, just point to the result, mm. which means you got to be living it every day. And when yeah. people challenge you on what you're doing, just say, I know it's unorthodox. I know you don't get it. Look at the result. We so hope that you're enjoying this conversation. We are so grateful that you listened to the There's More podcast that we wanted to give you a gift. We wanted to share some of the things that we've learned with you. So Karen, tell them how to do that. Yeah, we've got a 14-day kind of a mini session on spiritual warfare. Kind of one of those topics that people, I think, have a lot of mystery around. Mm -hmm. They're about seven-minute teachings with a prayer at the end of each that are really just designed to equip and empower you because we don't have a problem, we have an enemy. Yes. And so it's just gonna equip you to arise victorious. Yeah. Everything you need will be in the show notes. Now enjoy the rest of this conversation. Jamie, can you tell the story about the kidnapping case from DC? And because that was a little different, like you had a physical. Like God showed up in your body. And I think people don't connect that to God. So can you talk about how you have learned to like embrace the physical? Because I think that's so fascinating. 
Yeah, and then we and we actually teach how to understand the physical too, because it is because we're not we're like God. We're a uni, we're a unified whole. We're yes. not like like a Cartesian split between the head and the body. It's mm-hmm. those Hebrew holistic. It's all one thing. It all works together, mm-hmm. right? And so yeah, so that was that was kind of the breakthrough case for me because I was in my second or third year in uniform, and we it was a kidnapping from a bus stop where. You know, the teacher's taking role and this kid's not there. They call the parents. Parents said we dropped him off at the bus stop. And just so we have this big lag between the bus stop and the disappearance and then interviewing little kids at a bus stop, elementary <laughs> kids, like not reliable. No. And so we don't like we're just at a loss um, what to do. And this is in the late 80s. So we don't even have computers or anything yet in our cars. And so I, I'm interviewing the father and the mother to make sure, you know, there's no domestic thing going on. Mm-hmm. And they're really, I mean, great people. And I'm really heartbroken for them, mm-hmm. me and my partner. And so I say to the father, we're going to find your kid. I, I'm telling you, we're going to find your kid, mm-hmm. which is a violation of general orders. You can't, mm-hmm. you do not say that to a parent. And so when we walked away, my partner who was senior to me, he was like, what, what is wrong with you? Why Mm. did you say that? You cannot do that with people. And I said, I don't know. I just felt like it was the right thing to say to him. Mm. And so we, we split up and I, and I got in my cruiser and I went one way and I was on the side of a, just a residential street. And I, I said to God, what, like, do you, how do you work in a situation like this? Mm -hmm. Like, I know the Bible stories, which I think of the Bible stories as case studies. Yeah. It's like when you're in the when you're in the police academy, you study cases. Yes. Previous cases and you critique the cases and say, what do they do right and what do they that's how we read the Bible. Yeah. Wow. Like here's a scenario with Gideon, here's a scenario with Abraham and Moses and all of them. What did they do right? What did they do wrong? How do we do what they did? How do we avoid what they did wrong? All that beautiful mm-hmm. stuff that the scriptures can guide us into. And so I was thinking through all those stories and like. Like, can you, do you talk like that? Can you, can you find a lost kid? Can mm. you do, do you still do that? Cause when the church I was raised in, he doesn't do that. Right, stuff right. He stopped doing that with the creation of the Bible, you know? So, um, <laughs> I love you, Jamie. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so I was just asking those questions because we don't know everything we, yeah. and God and so we're learning how to know things. And I say all the time, Jesus didn't come to tell us what to do. Yeah. He came to tell us how to know what to do. Yeah, that's so good. Because he can't tell you what to do in every single situation. Right. So he's teaching us how to know. Mm, what so to good. Do. Mm-hmm. By hearing the words of the Father, just like Jesus says, the way I know what to do is I can hear the voice of the Father and I can see what he's doing. Yes. See, so see like, what he's doing. See, see, yeah. see. Not here. Right? See. So I was asking the Lord, like, how would how would you do that in this yeah. particular scenario? And so this car comes down the street, just going the speed limit, and it just passes me. And I, I, yeah, I felt like someone punched me in the stomach. I got real, my stomach got really upset, and I felt like I was going to throw up. Mm. And so I just looked around and like, what was right again? What just happened. Like, and it's this process that Jesus is always. Attention, awareness, enunciation, action. That's how we think about it. Like, pay attention. When you ask God a question, pay attention yes. to everything around you. Yes, so good. Not just, you know, just a voice, but everything. And then it makes you super aware. And then you're at, like, what was that? What was this? What yeah. is this? And you're just pursuing God. And it was like, okay, this happened when that car passed me. Like, right in the middle of this question, this car, like, I'm going to go see what this car is about. And so I pull the car over, cut him off. And I just get out and I can see there's no one in the car except the driver. So I just say, get out, get out now and open the trunk, open the trunk of your car. And he was so freaked out, the driver. And he just gets out and opens the trunk and the kid is in the trunk of the car. Man, He's okay. I mean, he's fine. But, and so what was just the expression on my face, his face, the kid's face was all of us were just like, what happened? Like we don't, we all know something really, significant has occurred and the guy wanted didn't know how i knew yeah he, he, that's what scared him he's yeah. like and then when the when i called the detectives who came you know to work the case and they you know they arrested the guy and all that the detective pulls me aside and he goes how did you what was your probable cause for stopping that car like why did 
had none. God. And, yeah, I, 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 I felt him, sick to my stomach. Does that pass? <laughs> does that pass well, the, the stuff test? I said, I said, well, I was praying. And he goes, nope, no, 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 no. <laughs> I got sick to my stomach. Does that count? Said you got to be able to testify in court to why you stopped that. And so then that was interesting mm. because then I realized when God works. Wow. It has to be something that you can explain to people that aren't believers in a way that makes sense to them, which yeah. is a challenge. Yeah. If I go with this lofty language, mm-hmm. they'll just dismiss it. So I have to be able to articulate, and this is what the CIA asked me, can you articulate the process so others can do it? Wow. Right? And they don't have to be you or like you. Can you articulate the process? It's like Habakkuk when he's talking about asking God a question. Yeah. And then he says, write it down. Yeah. Men can Mm -hmm. read it and run with it. So that was, so that whole, it's this whole beautiful journey. And I always tell people if it doesn't work in real life, it's got to work in real life with people around you that you can articulate to them. This is why I'm doing what I'm doing. And here's the result of it. And here's how we all can participate. That's when a public school will say, then please come in and do it. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. Okay. So this is so fascinating. Are you teaching non-believers because God's speaking to non-believers so you are teaching non-believers he's nodding his head vehemently yes for those who can't see (laughs) so non-believers to hear the voice of God because they they can hear God I mean they do they hear God all the time so so yeah so like and that's almost exclusively what I do now so the other day wow days ago I was in a room with 13 school public school superintendents at the regional gathering of superintendents in our region. And this is the second time I've been invited in there to talk to them about identity. Five of the counties are participating in identity education programs from the superintendent level down. Wow. so into the principals, into the teachers. Wow. Into the so students. meaning they're all doing, they're going through the identity exchange, exchange. Pro too. Wow. Yeah, and another county just sent me their meeting schedule for this year to come in and speak to their 41 administrators um, because this superintendent. This is amazing. Changed the world. Yeah. They were, they were discussing test scores in students who don't get their identity from tests. Wow. They score way higher because they're not stressed out. Wow. And so when you're fearful, your creativity and innovation drops dramatically. So when you tell a kid, you better get X on this test, right? Or your future's in trouble, that you're actually hurting them. Right. Because you're telling them your future is going to be determined by the measurement of this test. And it's the wor- the worst thing about it is it's not true. true. Oh my gosh. I'm so anti true. all this. Listen, like you're talking to the right people my, here. My cause... worst parenting moment <laughs> on the planet was the day <laughs> I will never forget it. My son walked in. He'd gotten a, a really bad grade on a history test. And I, y'all, I can barely bring myself to repeat it, but just in full disclosure, I looked at him and said, Well, I guess you're not gonna, not gonna be getting into the University of Georgia. <laughs> We've all said it. We've all said it. I mean, Jamie, yeah. like the stuff you wish you could like. Oh God, can I reboot yeah. myself? Back. Yeah. I mean, but please. I mean, Lord help us all. I know. But that is truly, that is just, it's supernatural. So incredibly I mean, you're remarkable. bringing the supernatural to yeah. the world because we're all created in his image, Jamie. Hello. So Jamie, one of the things I noticed under, I want to talk about living fearless and this connection to um, you know, like, as you said, fear stifles creativity. I'd love to know kind of the connection of what, where you're going next with that book. Um, but mm-hmm. also I noticed that you said you kind of self-identified yourself as untire of knots. Right. And I'm wondering <laughs> what that means and, um, and how that relates to living, uh, living fearless. Yeah. Well, yeah. So I, I know you can't see my T-shirt, but it says I must I must not fear. Fear is the mind killer. Mm. And it's a quote from the the movie Dune. Oh. Um, one of the main characters. The, the whole thing was how do we move without fear? Because fear kills the mind, kills yeah. the creative mind, and that's why the number one exhortation in scripture is do not be afraid. Yes, that's why totally. 
That is the number one thing the Lord is saying to humanity. Stop making mm -hmm. fear-based decisions because yes. it just causes self-protection and self-promotion, which causes division mm -hmm. and lack of creativity and all that stuff that is destroying us currently. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, so the, the goal of, li of living fearless is to tell people fear, fear is a very beautiful emotion, but it's not an identity yeah. and it's not a decision maker. It's a wake up. It's a like, hey, pay attention. Mm -hmm. All every all, you know, all hands on deck, red yeah. alert. There's a bear. But it, <laughs> as soon as you address the fear, it move, it leaves. Yeah. yeah. Right. But if you don't address it, if you try and cope with it, right. Medicated. It intensifies yep. yeah. and it starts to break your body down. Mm -hmm. And so how fast can we just identify the fear, address what the fear is rightfully telling us, and then let and then the fear let it go. Yeah. And that is called confession. That is what mm -hmm. confession is. Truth telling is addressing negative emotion. That the negative emotion is beautiful and God-given. It's not bad, it's not right. evil. So right. It's there to warn like pain in the body. Yes. It's there to point to like something's yeah, wrong, right? It's a here. signal. Right. And the faster we address it and tell the truth about what it's pointing to, yes. then we can move into repentance, which is the change of mind that, yeah. that corrects what the fear is warning against. Right. So sense? good. Yeah. And then transformation follows because now you're thinking in a new way. And so now you're going to act in a new way. So that's our circle is truth tell mind. When we're with people that don't have a biblical background, we call it truth tell mind change form change. Wow. Truth tell mind change form confession, repentance, transformation. That's the process Jesus is doing with everybody he's talking to. Wow. It's beautiful. The reason, the reason you're going to make all the mistakes you're getting ready to make is because your view of yourself, God, and the world you're in is incorrect. That's mm -hmm. right. And your whole system is screaming at the wrongness of how you're thinking. Yeah. And we and so all we have to do is bring it, bring it to a place with God and say, Okay, what am I afraid of right now? What am I mm. what am I really afraid of really right afraid. now? What's the root? Right. Yeah. Search me and know me. Search me and mm -hmm. know me. Yeah. You and David says, you reveal it to me. I'm not gonna guess. I don't wanna you tell me what I'm afraid of. Mm -hmm. And wow, when you when you a person does that with you, mm -hmm. you cannot avoid transformation. Yeah, true. So true. Yeah. How do you help someone whose amygdala is so overworked? Because I see that even in my own children, like they're just, they're in fight or flight almost, you know, I mean, my daughter just started high school and I'm like, to, to like have a conversation like that with her, it feels, I mean, I'm, I'm doing my best, but I'm like, this is so hard. She is so hijacked. Right. So that's, that's a great question. So one of the first things we actually have to teach people because they're used to living there. Yeah. Their whole life, yes. their whole life there and so uh, so you have to you have to give them um skills to move out of it immediately and so this is what they teach people in special really good highly highly trained people is you can't live in the amygdala and do your job that's right mm -hmm. you so you have to have a strategy and a discipline of moving out of it and it's really simple um, it's using, it's by moving, we do it with students. We're going to move from here to here right now, okay. right now. And nothing's going to stop us. And it's like back to a movie, put a movie on, they'll move. Yeah. Put a song on, they'll move. That's so funny. That's mm -hmm. what I did the other night. My daughter was hijacked and I was like, come watch a movie with me. Mm, and we right. watched the notebook and she yeah. immediately yeah. calmed down. I didn't know this. I mean, I'm like, golly. So is it because when you go to the identification phase, you're immediately moving into the prefrontal cortex that takes yeah. it out of yeah. amygdala? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah, because see, people think that their mind runs them, but it doesn't. It doesn't. You run your mind. Okay. And I can, I can move. I can move around. I can move from the prefrontal cortex. And I know I can do it myself. Sure. And so it's humans that's like you know that's that whole thing is like we're really you know our big thing is that the heart is actually the intelligence center of the body not right. the brain absolutely so, so 
if, so the heart is really what knows. Right. That's right. It's really what you're trying to tap into. Yeah. Mm-hmm. This is just reacting based on memory and assessment, right. you know, totally. and protection. So what we say to kids um, is we're going to teach you how to live in the prefrontal cortex because that's where all innovation and creativity yeah, occur. Absolutely. And it's where you dream. It's where, and, and the prefrontal cortex is completely nonviolent and it can only think in symbol and metaphor. So wow. we're going to learn to, we're going to learn to master that. Wow. And we're going to learn to understand symbol and metaphor at a very deep level. Wow. And you know how old kids are when they can do that? Young. Yeah. Six, five, six, seven, probably. Yeah. So I just, I can go, we did this with 800 middle schoolers at one time in a public school. And I said, okay, everyone, here's what we're going to do. We're going to, I want every one of you to imagine a place that you feel safe and secure. Mm-hmm. And I, we're, I want you to, we're going to, the teachers were in the groups. And I said, I want you to tell, say to the teacher, describe that place. They have to move. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. In that place is the true identity. Right. Mm-hmm. And that's when you want to, that's where you want to communicate. You don't want to debate the, the amygdala. No, <laughs> You're right. not going to win. No. It, you know, the research is, is once a person's made a decision that's you know based in the reptilian brain, that was decision will never change. It wow. can't change there. It has to be brought up here and rerouted so that when the person hits wow. the trigger again, it goes back to a new memory. Wow. So you're creating, okay, let me make sure I've, I've got this yeah. because like we're familiar with the manual approach where mm-hmm. you would do that, right. go to a safe place, you know, Jesus, right. where are you? You know, who am I in this place? What do you say about me? And uh-huh. so right. is that kind of is similar to what you might do? Okay, so just so for people who are listening, you can do this on your own. You can sit, right. pause, go to, a, you know, I go to a forest. You can go to the yeah, beach, I go to the wherever, beach. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. and interact with the Lord, and it completely changes how, right? So he keeps, he, right. y'all can't see it, but he's pointing to the back of his brain where his limbic system is. Right. which is is firing you know from past experience versus right. current reality which you create in your brain by what you see right, right? okay right. so yes. Jamie if you couldn't see a movie though <clears throat> if I couldn't get to the notebook and there wasn't yeah. a TV diaphragmatic yeah. breathing what do you recommend how do yeah, you so, get a yeah. kid out of of amygdala yeah we call it we call it going to your place go to your place go to your place we, like, so like so the challenge is good. With, with the different methodologies is um <clears throat> campbell's gonna be really <laughs> with a lot of stuff when she gets <laughs> Poor Campbell, dinner Campbell, what do you want to be go to Campbell, your place what do you want to be let's watch the notebook <laughs> yeah, where do you want to go go to your so we, so we're our goal is so like because we did this with hamas you know, and Hezbollah fighters. Right. They can't get out of the trauma they live in. Right. So it has to work in the middle of the trauma. Yes. Like we could bring a person over here and do a practice with them and get them all calmed down. That's a, that's great. But when you send them back into the trauma, this has, they have to be able to go to that place in the middle of trauma while it's happening to them. And so where you see this, imagine this is like when Stephen is being stoned in scripture, yes. he's, oh. he's somewhere else. Yes. yes, he goes to, yeah, totally. He's not. And so the pain, the physical pain is not able to hold him in the place. Right. The trauma can't hold him. We think you can't escape the trauma. That's yeah. what we believe. And so he's, he's so not there that he's able to forgive them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. And the pain of the situation is not decision-making for him. So that's like the, a high level of it. And so like, what do you see in the midst of your pain? I see Jesus standing up applauding. Yes. That's the, what the real human can do. Yeah. And they can do it all the time. So the challenge though is, I'll just give you one quick example. So I was with a guy the other day, we were working through, I was, I was training a group and I was watching them practice on each other. And these are adults. And so one of the guys practice on this guy. And I could tell this guy, the one guy was not participating that he wasn't, he wasn't really truth telling in the, when they were doing the exercise. So the way we do it is like this. I'll say to, I can do this with a stranger on the street. I'll say, what's the main negative emotion you deal with on a regular basis? What's the main negative emotion? 
every human being in the world, I don't care what their background is, how they identify themselves, the main negative emotion they're dealing with is fear. Mm-hmm. Totally. It'll be anger, but anger is just the secondary so, right. emotion. Right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Fear. I, I mean, I can wait for him to get there. Yeah. <laughs> as a human, I know. Yeah. Fear. So, um, and so, okay, fear. Okay, so what you want to get to though is where did you learn to be afraid of this situation? Right. Not why are you afraid of it right now? This isn't doesn't matter. Yeah. This is just this is just right. The current situation isn't the cause of your pain. Yeah. It's from back. So we have to get to there. Yes. But but I but you can humans can do it like this oh, if yeah. they have someone walking with them. Yes. Yes. And so okay, so so I did it with the guy. I said, what's the main negative? He said, fear. And I said, tell me how you're experiencing fear right now. And he goes, I'm afraid to participate in this exercise. Wow. Right. Good. Good. I said, okay, yes. good. What are you afraid of? Mm-hmm. I'm, af- I'm afraid to be vulnerable. Okay, good. Okay. Where did you learn that mm-hmm. vulnerability produces harm? Mm-hmm. You learned it. Where did you learn it? Mm-hmm. And then he's like, hmm. Mm, I don't know, because you had to, everything that you're afraid of, other than falling in loud noises, you learned, you yes. learned to be afraid of it. Right. And you learned a long time ago to be afraid of it. Uh, yeah. Where did you learn? And so we're just walking them backwards. Yeah. And this adult male says, he goes, well, I, w- I, I watched a movie when I was a kid, back to movies. It's, it was a scary movie. I went to bed. He was six years old, laying in my bed. I'm terrified. I want to get up and go down and knock on my parents' door and go in their room and get with them. So he goes down there. The door's locked. Oh. He can't get in. He's oh. horrified in the dark hallway. Yes. Yeah. A 40-year-old male. Yeah. <laughs> bangs on the door crying. The parents tell him to go back to bed. They won't oh, open wow. the door. He lays on the floor in the fetal position and cries completely. And here's what people are afraid of, being powerless and alone. Yes, they are. That's what they're afraid of, all of them. And it's just a matter of how long before we get to you to tell me that out loud. Yeah. So he says, and I said, how'd you feel laying there on the floor? Powerless and alone. It's what every human is most terrified of in their life, being in a situation where they're powerless and alone, right? And so that's where we want to get to. Mm -hmm. Okay, in that place, in that moment, in that moment, it, depending on their background, because you have to be able to do this with people that, are, that don't know Jesus. I know, yeah. I know. You can't leave them there like, wow, read your Bible and come back. And right. We'll <laughs> Good luck. Like, Once yeah. you're saved, we'll talk. Yeah. Right, right. You get your golden so I, ticket. So I said to him, I said to him, in that hallway, where was unconditional love? Wow. In that hallway. Wow. That's what I asked him. Wow. So great. Where was unconditional love in that hallway? Because the only way we know how God actually describes his essence is the word love. That's right. right. Spirit and consuming fire. Those three. And so where was love in that hallway? And so your brain can only think in symbol and metaphor. Mm -hmm. So it's not going to see an abstract. It's going to see a symbol of unconditional love. Right. I want to know how God wants to be seen in that hallway. I don't know how he wants this guy to see him. Yeah, yeah. Because only God knows how yes, to show us. Yep. Yeah. I could say Jesus and it could be the most horrifying right. thing. Right. Oh, yeah. So I don't want to intrude on the spirit's mm-hmm. property. On Whereas he goes, he said, it was in the doorway when I was coming past. Love was in the doorway when I went past. What did love look like? Yeah like a strong father. Oh. And now we're, now we're biblical, right? Yes. We go. Okay. Yes. So ask love what love is doing. Yeah. Why is, what's love doing? Ask, challenge, find out. What are you doing? And he, he prayed, love, what are you doing? And love came behind him. Wow. wow and stood behind him while he was banging on the door and sank down on the floor and laid okay. down. Laid down. Yeah. Yes. I saw a blanket over him. It's so sweet. Even when you were speaking, I was just like, I saw yeah. someone putting a blanket wow. on him. Right. That's what love felt like. That's right. And then love said to him, your parents need time alone. Leave them wow. alone. They're okay. It's not rejection. They're not rejected. These are all the lies that come out of the situation. Absolutely. But we don't know how to address all the lies. So we're just going to let love talk or Jesus. And so then love got up with him and walked him all the way down the hall, put him in bed and sat next to him all night. So that's beautiful. And he is very emotional. And there was a group of four in the room watching me do this with him. And then when it was over, I said, okay, this woman, there's a woman on my right. You do that to her. 
you walk. And he was remarkable how well he could lead wow, her. Wow, wow. That's that's the fruit. That's uh, it. Reproducing. Oh wow. my gosh, my spirit is I, literally, like my whole body is vibrating listening to you because yeah. I'm like, how can we help this man get this to every uh-huh. school in America? Absolutely. In every People middle school. I know world. you're like, I don't have time to see them all but i mean <laughs> but, but you're Jamie, reproducing seriously you're reproducing i mean the more yourself. people that know that you're doing this yeah. and that's why we wanted to i mean i wanted to interview you yeah. i was like he's doing something special yeah. on the earth mm-hmm. and granted we're just a tiny little mouthpiece but every person that knows mm-hmm. it is so important like yeah. we are sharing the fruit of what god is doing on the earth i mean i feel like that is that there's so, more you know yeah so jamie as we wrap up i because i'm sure every mom on the planet's gonna be that listens to this can be like, okay, what do I need to do to get this in my school? Send me your number. I, I mean, I'm not kidding. Yeah, like, no, how seriously. could you not? Yeah. Oh, right. Yeah. So what would be somebody's next steps? Yeah. Well, if, I mean, if they want for us, it's just our website, identityexchange.com. Um, you know, that's how they can connect with us. And then, I, but I, and then, then the book living fearless, you know, is a good intro. Okay. Yeah. The shortest little thing we ever did was called Knowing Rediscovered. It's just rediscovering the way of knowing things. We've lost track of how to know things. Wow. And so just rediscovering how to know things. And and, and it it takes away a lot of fear realizing, hey, look, you just don't know everything that's going on. Yes. There's a lot more going on here. Like, so for you, for both of you, like because of where we move in the world, just what you're doing right here in this, on this podcast, like I can tell you right now, just because I'm, I'm getting to hear a little bit of your identities. I would love to go <laughs> hear way deeper about who you really are, but I can tell you right now about things we're doing both, both in the, we did a thing with Oxford university um, where they said, okay, I did it with their professors. Mm-hmm. I did this. And they're like, okay, we will give you a pilot groups of students. If you will come do this in the university. And so people like you all, that that where God wants to go with you is it, it's not a cliche that it's beyond what you could ask or imagine. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. And so I'm just thinking of things I have we've done in the last six months outside of the US where the two of you would be phenomenal in what you're doing and mm. how you're doing. It. Yeah. So that's for me, I always tell people. Like, let me just tell you one thing, whether wherever, whoever you are, (laughs) life is about ascending and transcending. That's what humans were made to do. Amen. In your true self, that is what will occur. Totally. It won't. Yeah. In the true will. So how do we, how do we have community that holds each other accountable to just being who you truly are? Not accountable to stop doing stuff. Yeah. Quit talking about sin. Oh my gosh. For the love. Talk about identity and it will change. Yeah. Right. And so once, once our team, like we know each other's Mm -hmm. identity, our challenge every day is tell us how that identity is ascending and transcending because your identity is your gift to the world. That's right. That's right. Yeah. And we are revival. We just, we had our intercessors call this morning and I was like, we keep you know praying for revival. Yep. We are it. We yeah. are it. When yeah. we show up, revival happens. It's that's like, right. but that's like, bring it down. Lord, call it in. Yeah. It's like, he's already done it. It's in that's you. Right. Yeah. yeah. I prayed with a, a NFL coach the other day um, who's from a Hindu background. And we did this together. Not, not, you know, a Christian or anything like it. And we did it together. And he heard his identity. Mm. And I said... You, you know, you've been Hindu your whole life. And I said, and all that. And I said, have you ever heard God or the God speak to you? And he said, never. I said, but have you ever heard that voice before? And he goes, I think I have when I was young. Yeah. Wow. And he, but he recognized it. Totally. It's like God calling Samuel and Samuel going to Eli going, what do you, what? And he yeah. like, it's not me. Yeah. So that voice is there. They just need someone to help them understand who it is. Oh my gosh. Was. Thousand percent. Jamie, we um, close every podcast with just you praying for listeners who are hearing this that are like, 
okay, I'm so I'm, hijacked yeah. and I want to give this to my people. Yep. So will you just pray for that woman who's like, I am, I, I feel I like I've become and, fear, you yeah. know, will you yeah. just pray for her? Yeah. yeah thank you, Lord. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Lord, thank you for um, this time together. And Lord, thank you for every listener every listener, Lord, that you knit them together in their mother's womb, whoever they are, and you gave them identity. Mm. And the world and the liar steals it, steals it and nullifies it and buries it. And so, Lord, I, I pray for every listener out there that first, Lord, they would be able to tell you the truth about the things they believe about themselves that hurt them. But they would just be able to come and say, Lord, I just feel like a disappointment. I feel like I'm not enough. I feel like I'm ugly. I'm just that they would be able to just to tell the truth and cast their cares on you because you care for them and to put, give you their burden. Yeah. And because that's what you're inviting us into is to like, you'll take that from us. And then once we're free of that burden, Lord, would you speak to them and tell them the truth of who they are? Mm. That they would just ask you, Lord, who do you say that I am? And they would listen to the very beautiful voice of the one who made them. Yeah. That they would hear who you say they are, Lord. And would they they then just begin to pursue that in community? Mm and develop that beautiful identity. Mm. And, and because all of our identities are our gift to the world. And so we just thank you for this time together, Lord. Mm. And, and I just thank you for Rachel and Karen here and what they're doing and same for them, Lord, would you protect them from the things that they're tempted to believe about themselves that mm. aren't true. Mm-hmm. This is a never ending struggle, Lord. <laughs> and Lord, would they only operate in what you say about them? Yeah. As in all the roles that they're in. And mm. we just commit this to you or we trust mm. you and we thank you in Jesus' name. Mm. Amen. 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 Thank you so much. Oh my gosh. What Later. a phenomenal time with you. We so appreciate you. Yeah. Thank you, Jamie. Take care. Thanks for joining us on the There's More podcast. Check out the show notes. We've got a 14-day spiritual warfare course that you can take, as well as the code if you'd like to join us in the Father's House Bible study. Thanks so much for listening.